The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew and Review, W-N-A-R, a podcast from the Galactic Network. Now, a couple of months ago I posted that Ralph Little will be starring in the new series and he has been denying it for months now. He even did a little video featurette showing that he's definitely not in the console room, definitely not in Doctor Who. Well, he's been speaking to Digital Spy to promote his new comedy play and he finally opened up about his guest stint. Well, a, a bit. I'm not even allowed to say that I'm in it, he insisted. There you go. That's what I can tell you. He then added that the entire experience was very cool and Capaldi's a great man. He said, I've met him on a couple of bits and pieces. He's warm and welcoming. And he's probably said too much already. It's definitely something to look forward to. He's been a great comedy actor for years, so I imagine he will be providing a little bit of levity. Also, the other week I mentioned that the first look of the Doctor Who Christmas special will be seen on BBC's Children in Need appeal show. BBC Children in Need will screen an exclusive Doctor Who clip on the charity's appeal night on Friday the 18th of November. Now, of course, here at the Galactic Network, as soon as it appears online, and it will, it will certainly hit the YouTubes as soon as it does, we will try to get it on our Facebook page as quickly as possible. Remember that doctor before? You know, that Matt Smith bloke? Well, he was the top pick to play Prince Philip in Netflix's new regal drama, The Crown. For those of you that don't know Philip, he's quite a controversial figure. He... Well, let's just say him and Donald Trump would probably get on like a house on fire. Now, the plan is for Smith to star in the first two years of the series, but apparently he was quite hesitant about signing up. Why? Well, after going through a three-year stint on Doctor Who, Matt wasn't sure that signing up for another long-running TV gig was advantageous. And I sort of get his point. If you spent too much time in someone else's shoes, then that could be a little bit... Well, irksome. And sticking with Matt on another story. This one's from the Graham Norton Show. I mean, we all know Matt Smith's time as the 11th Doctor is, well, he's thought of very fondly by most. But he wasn't the most popular pick when he first won the role as a relative unknown. He was cast when he was just 26, making him the youngest person ever to play the part. And he told the Graham Norton Show that people weren't all that keen on him playing it. When I first got the job, all people would do is shout at me, Don't break Doctor Who! I was too young and everyone hated me. Matt, if you ever stumble across this podcast, I'm a diehard Doctor Who fan. And I, I, no, no, I never hated you. At first, I'll be honest, at first I thought, well, he's a bit young. But then again, wasn't, wasn't the fifth Doctor? Wasn't he a bit young? And then you blew our socks off. Absolutely 
fantastic. So look back on it fondly because quite a lot of us, quite a lot of us loved you, man. The Science of Doctor Who. Ah, the science behind the Doctor Who stuff. Now, in Doctor Who, what most people would call lasers are referred to as energy weapons. An energy weapon could be a handheld weapon that fired energy rather than a projectile of some sort. For example, Dalek gunstick energy weapons were part of their casings, though originally were removable. Sontaran soldiers typically carried some form of blaster. The Chancellery Guard of Gallifrey used a weapon called a staser. According to one account, staser's fire prevented regeneration. However, the 12th Doctor shot the General once with a sidearm of the President's personal security, and that triggered the regeneration. As for Jack Harkness, he carried a compact laser deluxe, which was able to defeat the androids uh, Trini and Zuzana when they tried to kill him. And shortly afterwards, Jack improvised an energy weapon out of their defabricator. But how do these actually compare to, well, to modern life, to what's around? Well, a directed energy weapon, or a dew, emits highly focused energy, transferring that energy to a target to damage it. Potential applications of this technology include anti-personnel weapon systems, potential missile defence systems, and the disabling of lightly armoured vehicles such as cars, drones, watercraft and electronic devices such as mobile phones. Apparently, the Pentagon is researching technologies like directed energy weapons and railguns to counter maturing threats posed by missile and hypersonic glide vehicles. These systems of uh, missile defences are expected to come online in the mid to late 2020s. However, don't expect every G.I. Joe to brandish a pistol emitting beams of light, emitting a pew pew sound, as there are a few problems. Laser beams begin to cause plasma breakdown in the atmosphere at energy densities of around one megajoule per cubic centimetre. This effect, called blooming, causes the laser to defocus and disperse energy into the surrounding air. Blooming can be more severe if there's fog, smoke or dust in the air. Well, and then there's countermeasures. The Chinese People's Liberation Army has invested in the deployment of coatings that can deflect beams fired by US military lasers. Lasers are composed of light that can be deflected, reflected or absorbed by manipulating physical and chemical properties of materials. Artificial coatings, coatings can counter certain specific types of laser, but if a different type was used than the, than the coating was designed for to handle, it would be able to burn through it. The coatings are made of several different substances, including well, low-cost metals, rare earths, carbon fibre, silver and diamonds that have been processed to fine sheens and tailored against specific laser weapon systems. China is developing anti-laser defences because protection against them is considered far cheaper than actually making a laser weapon for themselves.
As I made you aware, an animated recreation of the missing Patrick Troughton story was released on the BBC store on Saturday, November the 5th. 50 years to the minute since it was aired on the BBC One. But while BBC Store is only available to UK residents, fans around the world will be able to watch a live stream of the animation. Well, the first three minutes anyway. Uh, via the BBC, uh, the at BBC Store Twitter account. If you follow that link, there's going to be, there's, even though we are past the fifth, and I realise that, there are still going to be able to go back and watch it. I believe it's on YouTube as well. So have a dig around. In my opinion, it's worth watching. I have heard criticisms about the animation, but um, for you get you get what you pay for, and I think it's a step in the right direction. Well, well, that leads me to the question: Could more lost episodes be revived in this format? Producer and director Charles Norton and his team have created the new animated visuals to accompany the surviving soundtrack of the Patrick Troughton story which is sadly missing from the BBC archives. So could more reconstructions follow? There's certainly enough missing episodes. I think there's 97 in all in the Doctor Who back catalogue. We need to see what the fans think and how well received this is, said Paul Hembury, executive producer for BBC Worldwide on the Power of the Daleks reconstruction. We know there are a lot of missing stories and the soundtracks are in existence for all of them. So it's clearly more can be done. And lots and lots have been learned from this one. So how cool is that? We could actually recreate the entire catalogue of Doctor Who as an animation. Because, well, because the voice files, the sound is out there. That makes me a little bit moist. What doesn't know, and what makes me angry, is did you know 50 years ago, when Doctor Who swapped out its lead actor for the first time, the show could have been axed. They didn't know whether to go through with it. However, by doing so, and by swapping out the actor, the BBC series was given a long, long life. Actress uh, Annick Willis, who played the 60s companion Polly, has admitted she feared the worst for the show Back in 1966, we knew Bill was going to finish, that he was gone, and then there were discussions on, is this the end of the show? Should we find another actor? Should we get an actor that looks like Bill, or someone completely different? Of course, we all know that, well, we all know that Patrick Troughton was hired as Hartnell's replacement. And there we go. History was made. Hauntings, sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order, ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com slash weird to listen, find out more, and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast Network of Shows. 
Also available wherever you listen to podcasts. The Science of Doctor Who. Oh, well, that's embarrassing, isn't it? I pressed the science of Doctor Who and we've already had that. Hang on. Just, just one moment. Without further ado, it's time for the A to Z. Oh, it's terribly embarrassing. I haven't done that for ages. I've moved my buttons around. That's my excuse. It's the buttons! Who can we blame for this? Who can we blame? Can we blame... We blame Brexit? We can blame Trump and we can blame Farage. Anyone else? Because it certainly wasn't my fault. Okay. Welcome to the A to Z. Um, This is actually my favourite part of the whole Who Knew and Review. Uh, I like reading about all the naughty people that the Doctor has met. And, well, this one... He's not exactly a naughty person. He's misguided, maybe. And that's Lucius Petrus Dextrus. Now, I'm sure there's a, uh, a joke in there somewhere. He is from... Um, uh, oh, He is... Oh, which episode is he from? I'll come back to you on that one in a moment. I don't. I. I didn't write it down. This is terrible, isn't it? Oh, this has been shocking. Just recently, anyway. Lucius Petrus Dextrus was an auger who uh, lived in Pompeii in 79 AD. The tenth Doctor and uh, Calcius's son Quintus found out that he breathed in the dust of Mount Vesuvius, which was actually the remains of pyroviles, slowly turning him into stone. The tenth Doctor and Calcius's son Quintus found out that he had inhaled the dust, and his right arm uh, was now stone, which he covered with a toga. The Doctor broke his arm off and escaped with Quintus. Later, the High Priestess ordered him to advance the prophecy. <clears throat> he presented the energy converter into the pyroviles in Mount Vesuvius, <clears throat> and. Uh, the Doctor and Donna caused the eruption, killing the pyroviles and Lucius inside. Along with the converter and the, well, rest of Pompeii. Except a family. But hey, there we go. Of course, the planet of origin for Lucius is Earth, with little bits of pyrovilia. So, okay, here's the big question. You can email me at TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S, at gncasts.com and let me know which episode that's from and why it's a significant episode. If you need to know more about how you can contact me, well, I've got that coming up. And after then, it's going to be a touch of class, my little class review. Um, There will be spoilers in there, so uh, if you don't want to listen to that, After the advert, just hit the stop button. Okay? Good. Many thanks for downloading this podcast from the Galactic Network. We have so much to offer. Maybe it's horror or adventure gaming. Perhaps you just like to listen to a couple of nerds geeking out. Well, if that's the case... 
then visit gncasts.com. That's gncasts.com. And have a good poke around. You'll be surprised what you find. Maybe you'd like to chat to the hosts. If so, then why not sign up to our Slack channel? Or simply you want to tell us what a great job we're doing. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. And now, a touch of class. Okay, let's have a touch of class. Now, the way the review will work is as follows. I will begin with a brief synopsis. I'll tell you the good bits, the bad bits, and the most Hoovian bit, and then any notable things in way of a sort of review, rambling notes, musings. And then I will try and remember to rate the episode using the universal method out of five TARDISes. Good. I'm glad we're ready. Okay, so the synopsis is as follows. London has been infiltrated by an eerie alien that feeds off emotion and the team must battle to save Tanya. Alien tendrils span the whole of London. Anyone they touch sleeps or gets whisked off to who knows where. Now the good bits. And... I'm being a harsh, a harsh critic, I suppose. But the the good bit was a um, a line, and it, the line is "Holy Mother of Kanye," and that that just that just made me laugh for some reason. Uh, I quite liked that. However, the reason that was the good bit, I mean, there's a few Hoovian lines coming up, but the reason that was the good bit is because well of the bad bits now we've only had a few episodes to develop the characters and well that makes some parts of the show quite disjointed it's really difficult to um, it's really difficult to get inside the heads of these young adults if everything is going to be like blam 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 Action thing happening, action thing happening, action thing happening. Pause for a kiss. Action thing happening, action thing happening. I would just... They concentrated on a couple and a relationship, but the rest, truthfully, you can forget these people in a hurry. I think the, the, only, the only ones that you, you won't are Quill, Tanya and Ram. Those three are, are really defining. The others are a bit meh. But what did I think were the most Hoovian bits? Well, Miss Quill's line. Yes, I get it. I'll get it. When she was referring to the door. I mean, I only used to run an army. Um, that sort of snarky sarcasm. I like that aliens sort of have that snark about them. And... Also, I noticed that things got a little bit Doug Adams when he was referring to the universe because the uh, the universe is big, really, really big. 
and Ram's line of that's not even the third weirdest thing I've seen this month and herein lies a problem going back to the bad bits all this is happening in such a short time space that we haven't learnt anything about them and I think this is I think it, it could do with a supplement and I know there are books out there but I think I think it needs a supplement to help introduce the um, introduce the team as to speak personally if it was me the way I would do that is I would focus on one individual but anyway let's get to my musings and as critical as I am, something modern drama does so well is sadness and conveying sadness. Now, I don't know whether that's because I'm getting old and soppy, but I just think the way they handled Tanya's sadness was... Um, well, it was quite enchanting. It was quite nice. And you've probably noticed I'm playing a bed behind me, which isn't the Doctor Who theme. It's actually the, um, the outro theme for the show. Um... I do totally love the theme tune. I wish it didn't have lyrics, but there we go. Um, I think the outro does a good bit for it. And then things go really stupid. I mean, you know, dead, dead Tanya dad appears. And rightly, she doesn't know if it's grief because she he happens to appear on the day that he died two years earlier. I mean, granted, the timing was lousy. Or maybe... The timing wasn't that lousy. And you'll see what I mean later on, you know. And then tendrils. We get to see the tendrils everywhere. And that's fine. I mean, as I was watching, I was thinking, well, London's a pretty big city, right? I don't know if you've ever been. It's big. It's like the universe. It's really, really big. It's huge. It's also a city that doesn't sleep. You know, just like in that song. Well, technically that's New York, but it, honestly, it might as well be London. So, I wasn't at au fait with the, with the tendrils at first, because a lot of people will have seen them, and it, instead of having the tendrils straight there, oh look, tendrils, it could have done with a few, a few reaction pieces from people. Um, because... It's only later on that you see what happens when people are touched. Now, for this creature, I would have probably used a mist. I would have coated London in a pea super and then you can get away with anything. And at least it's sort of traditional because London has been renowned in its past for its fog. Granted, these aren't Victorian times now. <laughs> As for the creature, the Lankin... Um, because it was, uh, I don't know, for some reason it just reminded me of the 456 from Torchwood. And I don't know why it did. It it just, it, it just did. I mean, I've Googled it since and it's nothing like the 456. But um, when I was watching it, that's what it reminded me of. Also, whilst I was watching it, I was enamoured by Miss Quill. She's clever and sassy. She's a bit sexy. And finally, wasn't it good? Did you notice Ram? Oh, he's running now. He's got used to his, his, his weird robotic leg. 
And as he was running, all I could think of is, is he going to get sprayed with a face full of blood again? And I, I, I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, that's what we want, yeah? Okay. So, as, this, as the show progressed, it finally showed the reason why it is so quiet. And that's because everyone's sort of wrapped up in these plant-like tendrils. It seems that they touch you, you go to sleep, and they slowly, slowly drain or feed off your emotion. But of course, this goes back to one of my one of my hates. This goes back to you know the the bad bits. When the you know, and this is a personal thing. I mean, I don't know about you, but when the city is wrapped up in the sort of planty tendrils, I always will take time out at a bus stop to have a little bit of a snog. Except I wouldn't. If I was the only one around, I'd probably get the uh, get the heck out of Dodge or go and meet my mates and get them to get the heck out of Dodge. And stopping for a snog, yeah, great, it's a bonding moment. But it, it just jarred. It jarred horribly. But then, of course, we have the nice soppy bit at Tanya's house. Well, love normally conquers all but on this occasion is anger do me a lemon still it was a lot better than the alien dragon tattoo thing but not quite as good as the uh, as the shadowy monster things so all in all this gets three and a half tardises out of five i'll be back next week i will speak to you then This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>